during the time that you were studying Indonesia, I think this is a good a good segue because this kind of bridges the two the two eras in your life uh, in terms of the your research interests. But at one point, you decide to do something which I have never tried to do, and I don't know that I ever will try to do. You decide to call up the CIA. Can you just, can you uh, can you just can you describe what what happened here and how this how is this leads right. to a, a preview of Iran Contra in a in a sense? Well, yes, it's it's a segue to the topic of Iran Contra because one of the names a lot of CIA names emerged in the Iran Contra hearings. One of them was Donald Gregg, who was played a role in Iran Contra and was newsworthy at the time. And I just wanted to check a matter of fact, see if the CIA would tell me something. And I phoned from here, from this chair, uh, and uh, it was past five o'clock on the East Coast, so a lot of people had left Langley and gone home. But I was absolutely stunned that the person who picked up the phone was Donald Gregg. and uh, I certainly had not expected that. And to this day, it all depends whether I got a secretary first, who then put me on to Donald Gregg. But I think I, I think it was Donald Gregg who picked up the phone. And uh, we know now that there was from the CIA releasing the article of mine that they stole that I was a person of interest to them, and there was an office security file on me, and maybe they had some automatic mechanism that if certain people on a certain list phone, they were to go to higher authority. Anyway, Donald Gregg and I talked for somewhere between half an hour and an hour. It was a, a, an, int- an interesting conversation, and not just from a point of view. I mean, it was a genuine exchange of ideas. Donald Gregg is, you know, of all the people... He wanted to persuade me, and I'm sure it's true, that before he joined the agency and was required to stop having politics, he had been a left-wing a liberal Democrat. The liberal Democrats in the 50s were also radically anti-communist Democrats. It was Eleanor Roosevelt and people like who started the Americans for Democratic Action because they were wanted to collect people who are left-wing and not communist in order to combat the people who were communists. And I, I imagine he was one of those people and the CIA would be attractive to him. But what, uh, I'm not sure if I was aware of this when I had the phone call with him, but Donald Gregg is of special interest because when they created the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, in 1978, and we associate it now with hurricanes, uh, relief, and so on. But at its beginning, it had charge of planning for continuity of government. And it was, uh, this is under Carter, but um, Donald Gregg was seconded from the CIA to uh, assist the director of FEMA at that time. And FEMA played, I would say, uh, without going into the details, a not so good, really a a bad role in the Carter administration. And of course, somebody in the Carter administration leaked to the Republicans 
information about their planning to get the hostages released, which produced the Republican uh, October surprise, which was a, a, a direct example of the deep state of these covert operators planning to uh, tip the election to Reagan and away from Carter. So if, if Donald Gregg played a part in that, then he's an, an important historical figure and not, from my point of view, a favorable one at all. No, I don't think so, because he would uh, become quite uh, notable during, during Iran-Contra times. He was, what was his actual position? Wasn't he part of the National Security Council uh, at, like a, at that point? Or what was his... I knew once, and I could easily find out, but I don't at this moment. Right. I do want to talk about one other unexpected phone call. In this case, I didn't initiate it. And this is maybe into the new millennium. But I was having breakfast, and I got a phone call from William Bundy. And it was uh, apropos of nothing. We, we had never had any interaction person to person before. But he wanted to tell me, that the American role in Vietnam was not as bad as I had said in my books. And I said, how can you possibly prove that to me? He said, well, you quote a lot from Bernard Fall. And that's true. Bernard Fall was a French journalist who uh, was the first to really report the horrible skullduggery that the CIA was doing in Laos, which led to massive deaths in a totally peaceful country was forever there was a completely unnecessary operation from the point of view of American security. It was what happened in Laos, and Bernard Fall was calling the shots on it. And uh, William Bundy said, well, I just want you to know that, William, that Bernard Fall came to us and said, if you fight in Vietnam, you're going to take a lot of flack, but you should do it. And I can believe that because Bernard Fall was a Catholic, and there was a significant minority of Catholics in Vietnam, and they obviously were going to have trouble, more trouble being Catholic if South Vietnam were to be reunited as it should have been under the Geneva Accords with North Vietnam. Uh, so from his point of view, Bernard Fall's point of view, he might have wanted America to do this, but I still say that from America's point of view, and certainly from the Vietnamese point of view and the world's point of view, it would have been far better if they hadn't. So I wasn't uh, I wasn't persuaded by William Bundy's conversation, but it was a very friendly conversation. It was not hostile, and again, even more, I, I link it with the great conversation because it was two people talking about complicated issues. Right. It's a strange thing to ponder how the people at the top are, especially the ones who are not the actual operators, but the ones who are more in the decision-making uh, role, that they are, they, they would have be regular people, you know, and gentlemanly <laughs> in some, in some ways. I mean, it just, kind of shows how the power of these institutions and the the sort of, in my mind, the economic imperatives driving them all just create all these incentives. I mean, it is, it is kind of the banality of evil thing over and over again. 
I would like to talk about that a bit because, in a way, I experienced it. I joined the Canadian Foreign Service, and I learned very early on that there was pressure on me to think like I was supposed to think in the system. It's the importance of the concept of groupthink, that these people you're talking about, they at home they talk to their wife and their human beings, and then they uh, go go to work, and they put on groupthink the way you put on a hat, and you uh, and you think the way others think, and then if there's part of you that doesn't think the way others think, and I think that was part, probably true of me from near the beginning then you don't really belong there and you become marked as an eccentric who can't be marked for promotion. And, it, and it's interesting, I, I did not get, I was technically up for a promotion about a month before I left and I didn't get that promotion and I'm sure it's because I'd alienated, and I know who, the, not my boss for eight weeks when I was in Vienna was the Canadian ambassador in Vienna, and he didn't like, he just didn't like me. It was very clear. That was just an excerpt from the American Exception podcast. To hear the whole episode, as well as archived and new episodes, please subscribe to the American Exception podcast at Patreon. There's a link in the show notes, or you can just go to patreon.com slash American Exception. Subscribe and you can join us as we illuminate the dark side of the U.S. empire.